Hello, welcome to the Scouted Football Podcast. It is the holiday season, and if you've been good this year, no doubt you'll find your stocking filled, hopefully with a Scouted Football handbook or two, if you're lucky. Uh, today, I'm very glad to welcome Lee Wingate and Tom Midler from the other Bundesliga onto the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, who are the other Bundesliga? Well, they are a trio of British journalists living in Vienna, in Austria. Um, if you're not familiar, Austria's first division is also called the Bundesliga, uh, hence the name of their podcast and Twitter handle. Uh, they do excellent work on all things Austrian football, uh, from covering the teams in the top division, such as FC Red Bull Salzburg and LASK, uh, to the Austrian national team as well. Uh, of course, there are plenty of interesting topics that we are going to get our teeth into in this episode. No prizes for guessing who we'll be discussing most. Uh, but I'd just like to introduce Lee and Tom, uh, two-thirds of the other Bundesliga trio. How did it come about that the, the three of you, or well, the two of you on the pod, um, are all, first of all, in Vienna, and but also had the joint interest in, in, in Austrian football? Well, we all moved here for various different reasons around about five years ago. We didn't know each other before we moved to Austria. So the team, that's me, Tom, there's Lee and there's Simon as well. And we were all working in football in various different ways, whether that be translation or media content or reporting on the radio or whatever. We were all, to some extent, involved in football. And uh, as we'd ended up living here in Austria, we just decided that we wanted to spread the word about our own local league uh, we're all the kind of people who just get interested in the football that's around us and not just in, for example, the Champions League final or, or the Premier League. Um, we were all interested in sort of lower league teams as well and, and various different different teams, football at any level. So uh, as we ended up here, we thought it would be best to spread the word about the league that's going on right here where we are. Largely up until this season, it was sort of a very niche and, and relatively quiet league and, and footballing nation in recent times. I mean, how long have you had the, the interest in Austrian football? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we've all been here for about five years now. And uh, I can only speak for myself, but I think it does go for all of us when I say we've got gradually more interested in Austrian football as we've been here. So in the first years, we just went to watch a few games and, and kept kept our eyes on and you know who was doing well and, and which teams and which players were, were impressing but uh, as those years have gone on we've gone to more and more and got really more immersed in the Austrian game and we found that there's really a lot to love here. I think for me personally my first contact with Austrian football was back in the 90s when I was growing up you know some of those big names of Austrian football were kind of uh were legendary they were sort of exotic in the Champions League you know when, when you're a young kid and you're watching these games and the English teams come up against Sturm Graz or Manchester United for example played against Rapid Vienna you know those sounds those uh, names sound very interesting and very exciting so that was when I first came into contact with Austrian football and when I came over here I was keen to sort of check up on how those sides are doing now and, and what's going on in those clubs and, uh, and I found that it's been a very easy league to love, actually. There's a lot to like here. But I think it, it's, it probably goes for any league. You know, the more time you spend getting immersed in it, the more you go to the games, you speak to the players, you speak to the coaches, and, and you just watch what's going on. You get to know the backstories, and you get to know the kind of soap opera that goes on behind football here. And, uh, and yeah, I found that it's a very lovable league. You know, the players don't earn all that much money, so they're quite down to earth. The clubs are very open and very friendly. So really getting to know the backstory of the league has, has got us really interested in it and uh, we really enjoy covering Austrian football in English. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, in particular, the interest has soared since the, the start of this season where, where Salzburg qualified for the Champions League group stages for the first time. 
So it's been a good first year and a half for us as a podcast team, but it's really come into life since September and that Salzburg game with Genk. Uh, of course, this is a podcast that focuses on under-23 football, first and foremost. Uh, and with the Austrian Bundesliga having a bit of a reputation for developing young players before they go on to have careers throughout Europe, um, I'd just like to ask you guys, you know, the experts, why is it that you think that this league offers such a platform for young players? Yeah, the Austrian Bundesliga is definitely a very good league for young players. Principally, I suppose, simply because they get more game time here. Um, there's a lot of uh, the smaller clubs. A lot of the clubs are, are small operations here. They don't have so much money and there are not that many players in general. You know, Austria is a small country, roughly 8 million population. So there aren't so many people and so many players. And that leads to clubs looking towards developing their youth talent instead of making big signings. You know, I think there's only been a handful of, of signings of note um, into Austria in the last decade, really. So most clubs are looking down to their youth academies and their and their young players coming through from the local and regional levels. That's the way they bolster their squads and, and that's what they need to do. Even at the top level here in the Bundesliga, it's really key to have a good crop of young players coming through. So that offers a lot of game time, a lot of minutes, a lot of opportunities for these young players to develop you know, at the top level within their country. And that means young players can also be playing in important cup games, league games, and maybe Europa League and Champions League as well. And of course, um, they may not be the best clubs in the world here in Austria, but playing uh, at a young level, you know, a young age in the Europa League or in really important games, that does a lot for your development. And uh, Austria certainly has a lot to offer a young player. Uh, at the time of recording, it, it is the winter break for the league uh, and FC Red Bull Salzburg are at the top of the table, which probably won't surprise too many people. Um, but I, I suppose it only feels right to begin with, with Salzburg and, and to begin with, with their Nordic poster boy, Erling Haaland. I mean, we've at Scouted, we've followed him for some time, but I mean, even we didn't foresee the, sort of the rise to the upper echelons of world football in, in such a short space of time for him. I mean, did you did you guys see anything in his first six months at Salzburg um, at the beginning of 2019 that indicated he was capable of, of this? Not really, if we're being honest. Uh, the first time he, he really made a name for himself was at the Under-20 World Cup in May, where he scored nine goals in that game against Honduras. But otherwise, I think there were, perhaps it's, perhaps it's excessive to say fears, but a few concerns that the departure of players who were so pivotal to La- to Salzburg last season, like Munisterbur, um, you know, that, that they wouldn't be able to replace those players. But Haaland has stepped up more than adequately, and uh, De Boer hasn't been all that missed, if we're being honest. Um, Haaland's numbers are incredible as well. He's played 22 games in all competitions for Salzburg, scored 28 goals, 7 assists as well. He's averaged a Champions League goal every 47 minutes, a goal every 28 minutes in the Austrian Cup. Back to the Champions League, he became the first player since Wayne Rooney in 2004 to score a hat-trick on his Champions League debut. And I think as well, he's now one of only three players to score in each of their first five Champions League appearances. So it's just a case of, of stat after stat, and it's frankly quite quite mind-boggling to, to reel them all off like that. Um, but I can't say I, I really foresaw this coming. I don't know about you, Tom. 
Yeah, when it comes to Erling Braut Holland, I think it's important to mention that last season he wasn't actually a particularly big player at Red Bull Salzburg. He was really more of a fringe member of their squad. Um, he was certainly one to watch, but he wasn't an integral part of the side yet. And then what happened was Munas Dabur, who last season was certainly the star striker, the Israeli, um, he was getting all the plaudits here, getting the golden boot and so on. With him leaving for the direction of Sevilla, uh, that opened up a big hole in the attacking lineup of Red Bull Salzburg. They lost a lot of other players as well. And we were looking, of course, to who would fill those holes in the side. Haaland was definitely one of the players we were looking at for that. But um, with that opportunity, we certainly imagined it might take one or two seasons for him to really find his shooting boots and, uh, and make his name in Austrian football. But uh, nope, that has not been how it is. He's done it all this year and all this season, really. So uh, it's only been since the summer that he's been a major part of this side uh, at Salzburg since Jesse Marsh came in and he's made his impact so, so quickly. We saw him actually in the first game of this season, which was uh, a, a lovely draw. It was uh, Salzburg away at Rapid Vienna. So one of the biggest uh, clashes in Austrian domestic football right on day one. It's one of the toughest places to go, Hütteldorf, the home of Rapid Vienna. Uh, Salzburg won 2-0. Um, Haaland was not on the score sheet himself that day, but he looked like an absolute beast. You know, he was really dominant in the attacking lineup for Salzburg. And uh, already, yeah, we, we had our eyes on him at that point. He really looked um, in very, very good shape. He's a big figure as it is. He's very fast and powerful as well with that big figure. And uh, you could see that over the summer break, he's worked really hard um, on his physicality and on his game, and it seemed uh, very much like he wanted to make that impact as quickly as possible, and uh, he has certainly gone on to do that. I mean, it's it's inevitable that, that Holland will be leaving the league in the coming months, um, and, and that would only be the natural progression. Uh, it's probable that it will be to Julian Nagelsmann's RB Leipzig, but of course there's the interest from Dortmund, from Manchester United, from you know a whole host of, of other top European clubs. Um, but... Just going back to RB Leipzig and, and the link that the Red Bull link that there is between the two clubs. I mean, from an Austrian viewpoint, what is the relationship that the two share? Because I mean, over the past few years, it's, it's sort of acted as a conveyor belt for for burgeoning talent to to access the Bundesliga. You know, such as Naby Keita, Sadio Mane, Diadi Samaseku, and you know, and a great deal more. Well, until the the summer of 2016, when RB Leipzig were promoted to the German Bundesliga. Salzburg was still very much the focal point of the Red Bull football empire, so to speak. But that dynamic has reversed now and the, the German Bundesliga is, is clearly their priority. And as such, over the, the last few years, there have been a lot of players that have moved from Leipzig, sorry, from Salzburg to Leipzig. Over the last decade since Leipzig were, were founded in 2009, something close to 20 players have moved in that direction. The likes of Hannes Wolf, Konrad Leimer, Nabi Keita, Amadou Hadara, Diop Upamakano. I think as well, one of the reasons why their arrangement is so controversial is, is not just because of the volume of players moving, but it's also down to the transfer fees agreed, which are quite favourable to Leipzig. So in, in total, those 20 players that have moved from Salzburg to Leipzig have cost, have cost them something like 90 million euro which averages out at around 4.5 million a player. So they're getting very good players at very reasonable rates. I know Haaland has already spoken to Julian Nagelsmann to get a feeling for the club, so perhaps he could be the very latest in a, in a long line of players moving from Salzburg to Leipzig. 
I mean, of course, there, there, there's been lots of speculation about other uh, Salzburg players leaving the club um, in, in the near future. And I suppose with the Austrian Bundesliga not having that prestige and, and, and sort of not being one of the top one of the top five or top ten European leagues, it's only natural that the best players will will gradually start to move on from, from the better sides in that league. Are there any other players in particular at, at Salzburg that, that you feel, you know, it, maybe in the summer... Um, will be will be moving on perhaps to Leipzig, but perhaps to 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 newer clubs um, further afield. I think, especially where the performance of attacking players is concerned, the displays in the Champions League this season have attracted a lot of attention. And we know that Takumi Minamino has just uh, earned himself a move to Liverpool on the first of January which I don't think anyone actually would have would have anticipated a few months ago. And I don't mean any disrespect to Minamino when I say that, because he's an excellent player, but the European champions just wouldn't have been the destination I predicted for him. Uh, but as well as him, they have their, their Korean forward, He Chan Huang. He's been a revelation this season, a lot of goals, a lot of assists. And that's been quite surprising as well for us, because only last season he was out on loan at Hamburg in, in the German second tier, and he was really struggling. So I think he could be a potential candidate for a, for a summer move. There's reportedly been interest from Wolves in the Premier League, although I'm not sure if he's quite Portuguese enough for them. Um, uh, another young talent as well is, is Dominic Soboslay, the Hungarian winger. Um, he perhaps hasn't had the best first half of the season. Um, for example, it was, it was his mistake that led to Mo Salah's winner in the 4-3 defeat at Anfield in October. But he's still very highly rated and, and several Premier League clubs have been linked with him too. Yeah, so I think FC Salzburg or Red Bull Salzburg, they find themselves in a bit of a quandary at the moment regarding transfers. Because, of course, yeah, as we've said, as we've alluded to, uh, the Austrian league is outside of the top 10 European leagues. You know, it's just on the fringes of Champions League qualification and so on with the UEFA coefficient. And that means, of course, players are bound to leave. They're bound to look for bigger and better opportunities elsewhere. That's natural. But the nature of Red Bull Salzburg, uh, with the organisation that they've got um, and, and being part of that, that Red Bull sports franchise network, they don't really need the money from transfer sales. That has to be said. You know, they've had a lot of profitable sales in recent years. And then even when you look at somebody like Minamino leaving for a sort of bargain basement, as it sounds from, from many countries' perspectives of around seven or eight million, that's almost a 10 times return on the investment that Salzburg put in when they brought Minamino over from Cerezo Osaka in Japan. So it's still uh, sound business sense for Salzburg, even though it sounds like a, a small fee to sell him on for. But it's really up to Salzburg now because they've been dominant in the Austrian league for many years. They're the first team that you look out for the Bundesliga title and for the domestic cup here. But it's up to them. How seriously do they want their place at the top table of European football? They've got a taste for it now. They've played in the Champions League. They've gone the distance in the Europa League as well. So they've certainly given their fans and the club and the players and everyone uh, a taste of what it feels like to be at the top level of European football. But do they really want that? That's the question they have to ask themselves because they've produced talent uh, in the last few seasons very, very well and very consistently, but it's going to be very hard to do that on such a regular basis if they keep losing players, especially now, given the uh, UEFA ruling on cup-tied players 
that means that you know players like uh, Minamino can move to to a rival in the Champions League and not be cup tied, so he can still play in the in the European competition post winter break, and that means Austria. As, as a whole, is going to lose a lot more of its good players. In winter these days, uh, players are not going to hang on to the summer. So how fast can Salzburg develop that talent? Or do they say, no, we want to hold on to these players um, and, and really you know, give it, give it a go in the Europa League or even in the Champions League again? Because it happens quickly these days. You know, It's no given that Salzburg are going to be back in the Champions League. Of course, Salzburg are, are doing well in, in all of their games this season. You know, they're top of the table um, and, and, of course, have, have qualified for the Europa League knockout stages. Um, how far do you do you think they can go with this with this squad in, in the Europa League this season? You know, obviously they did very well last year, but do you think they can go one better? Well, they've got a very difficult last 32 opponent in Eintracht Frankfurt, who went to the semi-finals last season before uh, before losing on penalties to Chelsea. So that's going to be a big challenge for them. And then, of course, there's the, the personnel question. If there's an exodus of attacking talent in the winter transfer window, uh, then that also adds a, another layer of difficulty to the challenge. It's also worth remembering, of course, that there are some really strong clubs such as Benfica and Inter who've dropped down from the Champions League group stages, uh, while there are also you know, the likes of Manchester United and Arsenal already in the Europa League. But I definitely say Salzburg have a decent chance and they, they would be among the, the leading contenders to win it. I'll be very interested to see how motivated Red Bull Salzburg or FC Salzburg, as they're known in European competition, can be when they're playing in the Europa League after now having that taste of the Champions League. You know, their players have got a real taste for this top level. They got to the semi-finals of the Europa League as well a couple of years ago. Of course, they're a really big team to watch now. They're, they're certainly a, a kind of outside bet for the Europa League title itself this season. But the big question is how much of that squad is still going to be there when they take on Eintracht Frankfurt in 2020? Because, of course, Minamino's gone already. It's very likely that Haaland is going to go and maybe even Huang Hee-chan as well. And if the whole of that front three is gone, then it's a totally different Salzburg side taking on Frankfurt without them to that side to that side who did so well in the Champions League and turned so many heads in the Champions League this season I, I'd imagine most people don't indulge in the Austrian Bundesliga on, on a regular basis but what would you say has been sort of the key factor in Jesse Marsh getting the best out of this young group at Salzburg and and getting them to buy into such an aggressive you know attacking ideology which at times really is just simply throwing caution to the wind and, and going full-out attack yeah, I think sometimes it's been been a case of such focus on attack that it's been to the, the detriment of their defence and, and that's been their main problem this season really. Ultimately, it's the reason why they were knocked out of the Champions League at, at the group stage. They didn't keep a single clean sheet in their, in their six matches. I think they conceded more goals than, than every other third place team bar Olympiacos. So that's really been what, what's let them down. Um, but Jesse Marsh has been brilliant since he's come into the club it was it was a daunting prospect for him going to, to Salzburg where the minimum expectation is obviously to to win the double every year and then progress is expected in in European competition too but he's, he's pretty much continued from where Marco Rosa left off in terms of the overall Red Bull philosophy and, and what I mean by that is he's 
he played really still plays the counter-attacking football, fast transitions um, from back to front, a high-pressing game, counter-pressing. He's really kept all of those key characteristics of the previous Salzburg team, just with a few tactical tweaks. He tends to prefer to, to operate with a, a 4-2-2-2 formation, where there's kind of a double pivot at the heart of defensive midfield, and then two wider players, which are, have usually been Minamino and Soboslai, and then two forwards as well, who are usually Holland, Huang, or, or Patson Dacker as well, is, is a very good player. So overall, it's been a, a continuation of the previous philosophy, but Marsh has put his own stamp on things as well. And I think ultimately the players really like that. I think that's how he's managed to, to get so much uh, out of them. He's, he's made it fun. They get to express themselves. They win a lot. They all get a chance to play. So in that respect, I think Marsh has probably got everything right so far. But it's just the some of the defending that's that's let them down. I think from a kind of scouted football under 23s perspective, Jesse Marsh did something which was really remarkable with this side. You know, he took over from Marco Rosa and a lot of people thought maybe he's not going to be able to do as well. And maybe Salzburg are going to sort of lose some of their momentum that was built up in previous seasons. But it's been completely on the contrary. Marsh has harnessed the inexperience of his team and he's really turned it into a positive somehow. He talked a lot before their Champions League campaign about fearlessness and uh, what he really was keen to instill in his players is this fearlessness by by harnessing the fact that the players are used to winning. You know, they go into every game here in Austria as favourites. They win a lot of league titles. They're, of course, the favourite to win every league, every cup here, every season. And he's sort of used that winning mentality that naturally, if you grow up as a player at Red Bull Salzburg, you have this sort of superiority complex in a way. And he's managed to keep that. And he said to them, yes, you go into every game as a winner here in Austria, but don't you want to feel that again on the international stage, on the European stage? Do you want to be the kind of player who's who's at home on this European stage? Well, then, you know, go out and seize this moment. And I think it's one thing to talk that talk. A lot of managers do that, but you have to put it into action as well. And it really worked. We all saw that from Salzburg. Whatever you can say about Salzburg's defence, they really did play with that fearlessness. Erling Haaland has taken the plaudits, of course, and you know we've already touched on him, and rightly so, because he's been he's been incredible. But we haven't invited you onto this podcast to wax lyrical exclusively about the latest sensation in world football, um, because there are so many other characters in the Salzburg squad who who you've alluded to, who who are worthy of at least a mention. You know the Huangs and Minaminos and, and Pats and Dakers. Um, Pats and Dakar is is one that I did want to to discuss. Um, because he's one of two of the Zambian internationals at, at, in the Salzburg squad, uh, the other being Enoch and Wepu, um, who were great at the Under-20 World Cup in 2017 and, and have been fantastic this year. I'd just like to get sort of your thoughts on on, on that duo and, and who else you reckon deserves a mention from that squad. Yeah, both of the Zambians you mentioned are very good players. Patsendaka has probably flown under the radar a little bit this season because Haaland has been sweeping up all the headlines. But his numbers are still very impressive. He has 17 goals and 6 assists in all competitions. And when he scored against Genk, I think it was on match day 5, he became the, the first Zambian player ever to score in the Champions League. So I think if, if Haaland does move on, it will be Dakar's chance to shine, really. And I think he'll probably become their first choice forward um, rather than someone being brought in from, from outside. And Mwepu has also been very good. He's sort of a more deeper central midfielder who's played a lot since Antoine Bernard broke his, his shin in an Austrian cup tie uh, at the end of September. 
He's been trusted by Marsh to play a lot in their biggest games, and he's really excelled. And then sticking with, with African players, Seku Koita as well has been good. He was on loan at Wolfsberger last season and did very well. And since he since he's come back, he's put in some really good performances, either on the wing or, or sometimes up front as well. Um, and Salzburg clearly believe in their their African trio because they they all just signed um, signed contracts extensions until twenty twenty four this week. It's it's not just about Red Bull Salzburg though, uh, as you'll no doubt be keen to stress, uh, being Austrian football experts. Um, as we mentioned earlier, they are topping the table at present, and you could be excused for thinking that that they're romping to the title, but that isn't the case uh, because Lask are pushing them all the way and trail them by just just the two points actually. Um, they're a club who I only became familiar with last season uh, under the stewardship of Oliver Glasner, who's now manager at Wolfsburg. Um, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on on what they are like as a club. You know what style of play do they subscribe to, and, and you know whether there are any under twenty three individuals of note um, that we should all be casting our eyes to at Lask. I think from an Austrian perspective, you just can't help but be really impressed by Lask this season. You know, it's only a couple of years really since they've come up through the regional leagues to the top end of the Bundesliga, and now they're playing in the Europa League. A lot of that, of course, is down to the previous coach, Oliver Glasner. He brought the side up from the second division to the Bundesliga and really kept the same core squad together. Their playing style... uh, of recent seasons at Lask has been this uh, high press, which is, of course, quite common these days. But um, Lask actually won the ball back in high upfield positions more than anyone else did last season in Austria. So they're a very, very aggressive side and they were using that really effectively as well. But what that needs to push so hard and so high up the field, it requires a huge amount of discipline. And that's why Oliver Glasner really used a small core squad of key players who he trusted. Um, so so that gives Lask also problems in terms of rotation, that they don't have too many players who who really worked well on the ball. But Glasner got his unit really, really well drilled, really well trusted, and uh, it was very, very effective. So people thought, naturally, that Glasner's exit last summer to Wolfsburg would be a disaster for Lask. And... Uh, it should also be mentioned that Victor Saar, their their top striker, you know, their real talisman on the pitch, he left as well, also in the direction of Wolfsburg in Germany. But yet somehow Lask are even closer to Red Bull Salzburg this season than they were last year, even though Salzburg have stepped up themselves. So you have to say Lask have coped really, really well with the change. And I think that signals a club who's which is in a very healthy position off the field, that a transition like that can be dealt with so smoothly. And they've kept, they've coped very well with Europa League football as well. And they've had a few slip ups post Europa League Thursday games. You know, that's that's to be expected. Of course, at this point, they've played six Europa League games and uh, they have dropped points, I think, in five of the following games. But they haven't been beaten very much either. They've only lost a couple of times this season overall. So on the whole, not bad. Ishmael as well, Valerian Ishmael, the new coach who's come in, he's at a completely different place in his managerial career to Oliver Glasner. He's already managed at the highest level in Germany with uh, Nuremberg and with Wolfsburg as well, interestingly, and he sort of failed at those clubs. So he's kind of making a new name for himself here in Austria. It was uh, a chance for him to step down a little bit and come back and reinvent himself. And he surely has done that really, really well. He's just taken advantage of the 
foundations put in place by LASK over the previous few years. And, uh, you know, it it can't escape notice that in a Europa League group, you know, their first ever Europa League campaign against PSV Eindhoven, Sporting Lisbon and Rosenborg as well. Big teams, big teams with Champions League experience. They've gone and won that group. And you, you can't overstate how impressive that is for a side like LASK with you know who with basically no budget and uh, I think the prize money that they've got from that Europa League group alone is something like their whole yearly turnover for the club so it's been a massive and, and historical run for them and now they've got this game up uh, against uh, Adsed Agmar of uh, the Netherlands and they're two quite similar dark horses in terms of small sides with uh, with really exciting players who are uh, challenging the established order of things in their countries. So we're really looking forward to that one. In terms of Lask's key players, from the scouted football perspective, a lot of those key players are mid-20s. So they're not really uh, young and undiscovered talents. They're just they're just undiscovered talents. Um, you've got players like Thomas Goiginger and um, Gernot Trauner, certainly the centre-back, who's been absolutely incredible this season uh, and for the last few seasons too. They're in their mid-20s. But younger players, in terms of younger players, I would certainly look towards Alexander Schlager, the goalkeeper, who's 23. It wouldn't take much to find Alexander Schlager as the number one uh, for the Austrian national side for the foreseeable future. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's a real character, a really happy, friendly guy. And uh, he's been fantastic on the field, a real sort of breath, breath of fresh air in that goalkeeping position for Austria. So hopefully he will go on to, to be uh, a regular number one for Austria. And Marco Raguz as well. He's half uh, Croatian, half Austrian. He's come in and he's had an absolute breakthrough 2019 from sort of being virtually nowhere and then coming into a last side who've lost their key striker and, and really needed goals. He's uh, established himself as something as a super sub uh, here at Lask. So, so Raguz and Schlager are two players that I'd pick from the under-23s perspective. While the name of your podcast and Twitter handle is the, the other Bundesliga, um, it isn't just Austria's top division uh, where your expertise lies. Uh, you're also pretty savvy when it comes to the Zweiliga, uh, which is Austria's second division. Um, now, FC Red Bull Salzburg have a feeder club in, in that division, um, which they utilise to send out some of their younger players for them to gain first team experience. And that's that's FC Liefering, um, also based in the city of Salzburg. Um, there's there's one player in particular that I'd like to discuss. But first of all, what is sort of the agreement and relationship that, that Red Bull Salzburg and Liefering have? So it's a really complex situation you've got in Austria with kind of B teams. It's quite controversial as well because uh, a lot of teams operate these second sides. But those sides have been sort of amalgamated from sides and teams, local teams who had quite famous victories in their own right, perhaps even some silverware to their name as well. So just as we've seen in England with clubs when they've kind of changed city or changed name or whatever, it, it's been a difficult thing for the for the fans to stomach. That situation has definitely replicated itself here but it's quite normal to see the biggest sides have a kind of second tier operation as well. So you've got Rapid Vienna, probably the biggest club side in Austria. They have uh, SK Rapid 2, so SK Rapid 2, the amateur side who play in the lower leagues. And that that sort of ser- serves as a kind of academy, like farm team for them. Uh, you've got Lask, 
they have uh, juniors Orbit Österreich, so like the, the the junior squad from their own region. They also play in the same colours and uh, sort of under the same banner as Lask. And that's a whole interesting story of its own because of the club that they took over for that. That's a really long and, and complicated story. And Lask weren't even that keen to, to take over that side, but there was sort of some football association wrangling and, and they ended up convincing Lask to, to take over that academy side just to, to keep that side running. Um, and then when you come to Red Bull Salzburg, of course, they have FC Liefering as well. Since 2012, FC Liefering have served as the kind of academy side in the second division for Red Bull Salzburg. And just to confuse things even more, FC Liefering, their squad of players actually are the guys who play for Salzburg in the UEFA Youth League as well. So it gets really, really complex um, at that point. But... Just to boil it down, it's very common for the bigger sides here to have a second string side, uh, a second side who play in the lower leagues in Austrian football. They can't get promoted, which is a bit of a weird thing, but that's natural, probably similar to how it is in Spain. And uh, those sides provide academy prospects with sort of first team level action and also internationally scouted players. You know, a lot of the players who are coming across from Africa who've been scouted, for example, by Red Bull Salzburg, they'll end up at FC Liefering getting game time there before they end up in the squad at Red Bull Salzburg. So it's definitely a place for them to sort of test their waters in European football before they step up to Salzburg. Uh, the the player that I alluded to before was uh, Karim Adeyemi, who is a 17-year-old German youth international striker who Salzburg signed for around 3 million euros uh, last last summer uh, before sending him out on loan to, to Liefering this season. And I mean, although he's a player that I haven't watched, I'm led to believe that he's been doing very good things this year in, in the Zweite Liga and also in, in the UEFA Youth League um, for, for Salzburg's uh, under-19s team, per se. Yeah, we actually went to see Karim Adeyemi a few weeks ago in the UEFA Youth League. And unfortunately, he went off injured quite early on in that game. But uh, yeah, we've certainly been keeping an eye on Adeyemi this season down in the second division of Austrian football, FC Liefering. Liefering themselves are actually 10th in the league, so that they're kind of struggling this season. But, you know, it's, it's, you've got these kind of like delicate youth team players who know that they're, they're very young and they're, they're, their careers are just at the beginning. And they're playing against some real bruisers, some proper lower league bruisers in the second division in Austria. So it's not necessarily the easiest place. You know, you can see why it's used to give these players a bit of experience. Um, so it's perhaps no surprise that Liefering are not, you know, running away with the title, as you would imagine, in the second division. Um, but Karim Adeyemi has been involved in 15 of the 30 goals that Liefering have scored this season, which, you know, involvement in half of their goals, that's quite something. He's got eight goals and seven assists this season, and he's really, really caught the eye. Adeyemi is simply amazing to watch. Um, it's quite hard to imagine, you know, we we talk about with Haaland, with Minamino, with all these players, like, is the Bundesliga good enough to compare? And yet we're talking about Adeyemi here, one of the most valuable players in Austrian football. And he's not even made his debut in the Bundesliga yet. So he's really, really young and, and really has a long, long way to go in his progression. But right now at FC Liefering, he makes it look so easy on the ball. His his skills, his trickery, his footwork and his finishing, it's just marvellous. And uh, you know, he's he's been linked with Barcelona as well, which that doesn't happen very often for a 17-year-old in the second division of Austrian football. He stoked that fire a bit by saying he wanted to play with Messi. But actually, 
he seems to have really matured uh, of late and, and he seems to have a very cool head on his shoulders. You know, we, we've seen him in interviews saying that he actually really is not looking towards playing at Barcelona or, or anywhere else. He knows that Red Bull Salzburg is the place for him to develop. And he's said, you know, that's what I want. People have asked him, you know, are you jealous to see Salzburg playing in the Champions League? And uh, he's basically just said, no, I'll get my chance. You know, I want to be here at Salzburg. This is the place for a young player to be. I don't need to be at Barcelona. I don't need to be anywhere else. Salzburg is where it is. It's the best club you can be at for a young player. So I think he's got a bit of maturity now. I know before he was at Bayern in their youth teams uh, in Germany, of course. And then he was at Unterhaching in Germany as well. And he had some disciplinary issues there. But it would seem to me like he might have sorted himself out in that regard. You know, he's still very, very young. But um, he seems to know that he wants to develop here in Austria out of the spotlight a little bit. And I think that could be the very, very best thing for him in his career. But if you want to go and check out Karim Adeyemi, Karim Adeyemi I mean, he's even got YouTube compilations already of his skills. He, he really makes it look so easy. And that's that's quite incredible for a 17-year-old uh, playing in the second division. But he's he's quite something to watch. Yeah, he definitely seems like an exciting player. Um, he's obviously a player who, who who rates himself, and and I mean, who wouldn't after being signed for for three million euros uh, as a as a 16-year-old? But I mean, I suppose that's more of a representation of the quality that he has at his disposal. Uh, and obviously, as you were saying, um, eight goals and seven assists. You know, representing 50 percent of Liefering's uh, league goals this season, you know, for a seventeen-year-old striker to be to be doing that in in a league which, as you were saying, you know, has quite a few bruisers in terms of you know Austrian sides um, with you know more seasoned professionals. I think there's only uh, there's only encouraging things really that you can you can say from that. So yeah, uh, Karim Adeyemi definitely seems like uh, like I want to watch um, and someone who I'm sure you you'll agree will will gradually make that accession to, to the Austrian Bundesliga and gradually make that accession to, to the Red Bull Salzburg first team. Um, but uh, moving away from Salzburg and Lind, uh, and Lask, um, across the entire league, I imagine there are plenty of young players who, who are getting valuable first team minutes, who, who are going completely under the radar purely and simply because because of the status of the Austrian Bundesliga. Um, I mean, you've already alluded to Seku Koita, um, but last season he, we saw him struggle at Liefering um, for a variety of reasons, but then excelled with Wolfsburger in, in the Bundesliga, the division above. So, I mean, the question really is, is there anybody who's had an excellent first half of the season at one of the clubs that perhaps we haven't shed any light on so far? Yeah, there certainly are a lot of good young players in the Austrian Bundesliga outside of, of Salzburg and Linz, um, especially in attacking areas. Just to name a few names, Mattersburg, a club based in, in Burgenland, a, a region in the south east of Austria. Um, they have a very good young attacking midfielder, Christoph Halper, 21 years of age, um, has already played for the Austria under-21s. He's been probably their, their standout performer in what's otherwise been a, a fairly turgid season for them. Over at Rapid Vienna, there are a few good young players. You've got Kelvin Arasse, who's um, doing very well in a sort of right-wing forward position. And then further back, there's a, there's a guy called Yusuf Demir, only 16 years of age. He made his first team debut in the final match before the winter break, a 3-0 victory over Admira. Um, then again, there's there's I know we we said non-Salzburg and Lask players, but uh, Hussein Balic has just moved to Lask from domestic rival St. Pölten 
for whom he was really, really, really good in the first half of the season and has been for a while. He's a Bosnian forward, 23 years of age, and I think he's a really astute reinforcement of, of Lask's uh, attacking power as they as they you know continue to challenge on three fronts in the in the second half of the season. Very good buy. Kirill Despadov, a Bulgarian winger who's on loan from Cagliari in Serie A. He has by far been Sturm Graz's best player in the last few months. They've been so inconsistent, but but Despadov's been putting in good performance after good performance. He's also played for the Bulgarian national team. Again, only 23 years of age. But the man that I'd really highlight the most has been my player of... of um, well, one of my players of the, the first half of the season, Sean Weissmann, who was signed by Wolfsburg at Atsi, um in the summer on a free transfer from Maccabi Haifa. He is currently top of the goal-scoring charts in Austria, ahead of Erling Haaland. He has 17 goals in the Bundesliga, plus two in the Europa League, five in the domestic cup. That's 24 goals in all competitions just since the summer. And they've all been inside the box as well, I think, or at least all the, all of the goals in the league have. So he's he's definitely what you'd what you'd call a fox in the box. Very impressive player, and I can't help but think it might not be too long before before a club elsewhere um, identifies him as as a good player to sign because he he really really has been very very good. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of young talent spread out across the league. As we said earlier, it's it's a brilliant platform for young players because they just get the game time they need for their development. Um, before moving on to to bigger and better things. So, yeah, plenty of talent to look out for. Yeah, there's a couple of other players that I like as well. Um, To go much further west, I would look towards Altac and their player, um, Megan Berisha. He's actually on loan from Red Bull Salzburg. A lot of the clubs here in Austria have one or two loan talents from Salzburg. They like to give their players game time uh, to, to develop in uh, different squads where they think that uh, the squad will benefit from that and, and the player will benefit from from the playing style at that club. And Berisha is certainly a good example of that. He's really the sort of main man at Altach this season. They've really, really struggled, uh, but he's still got seven goals in that side and he's looked really, really dangerous. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Mergen Berisha turns out to be one to watch at Red Bull Salzburg. He's also um, playing in the under-21 side for Germany as well and, and just about to sort of make his breakthrough there. So definitely a lot of potential with Mergen Berisha. And it's not just young players either. The The Austrian Bundesliga has tended to be a, an excellent breeding ground for young coaches over the years. If you look at the, the average age of the the coaches at the moment, it's, it's one of the the, the lowest in, in all the European leagues. Three quarters of the coaches currently in the division are, are under the age of 50. You've got um, the, the head coach of Wolfsberger at sea, one of the Europa League teams in the group stages. New head coach Ferdinand Feldhofer, 40 years old, has just replaced Gerhard Struber, a former Red Bull product who is also in his 40s, has just left for Barnsley in the English Championship. Marcus Schopp, age 45, been doing a great job with with Hartberg keeping them up and then potentially into the top six this season. Valerian Ishmael only 44 at, at Lask doing wonders in the Europa League. Jesse Marsh only 46. Um, Rapid Vienna's Didi Kubau 48. And at Sturm Graz, Nestor El Maestro a very uh, well he's he's 
he's, he's quite a character, got quite a short temper on him, but but nonetheless, he's done excellent work in Slovakia, winning the league there. Now he's at Sturm Graz, 36 years old as well. So it's not just players, but but plenty of talented young coaches. So I think probably at some point in their careers, we'll, we'll take a step up and perhaps go to a, a bigger league elsewhere. Yeah, it does seem like an excellent setup that they have there I mean, and, and an excellent nurturing environment. And as you mentioned, something that I hadn't thought about is, yeah, that they, it does seem like a good landing point for, for young coaches as well to, to earn their spurs or earn their stripes there, per se. You know, uh, going back to Red Bull Salzburg, I think what I said much earlier about in Austria, you know, you get a lot of players moving on and you get gaps to fill then and, and youth talent comes in to fill those gaps. That's absolutely no different at Salzburg. In fact, Salzburg might well be the the microcosm of that because they offload so much of their talent so quickly, um, perhaps even more quickly these days. And that means there's a lot of gaps to fill. There's a lot of chances, even at the, at the top level with Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, it's, it's quite regular that, that somebody leaves and, and you're looking to who else it's going to be that steps into that void. And at the moment, with a lot of transfers rumoured, you've got players like Ongwene, who's doing really well in the defence, I would expect Majid Ashimiru as well to come in in midfield a lot and, and get a lot more game time after the winter break in 2020. And then uh, with Minamino making his exit as well, there's another really talented, really technically gifted Japanese midfielder by the name of Masaya Okugawa, who's 23 years old. He's coming through thick and fast at rapid at um, Rebel Salzburg right now. And I think we'll see especially a lot more of Okugawa in the new year as well. He's got a fantastic first touch, great carrying the ball forwards. And uh, I think he's a really exciting midfielder and just one of many, many talents involved with Salzburg. Well, thank you very much to, to Lee and Tom for, for a very informative episode on, on all things Austrian football today. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. But just before we go, I'd like to say please support the other Bundesliga, uh, whether that be by engaging with their podcast, following them on Twitter. Uh, their handle will be in, in the description for this pod episode or simply recommending them to someone you know who, who loves football and wants to learn more about a league that doesn't hit the headlines all too, all too often. Um, it's it's really a, it's a great account to follow. It's a great podcast to listen to. So I'd encourage anybody who, who's into their football uh, and anybody who's into the more obscure European leagues to to really tune in. Yeah, thanks, Joe. We really appreciate you advertising the pod and and for having us on. It's been a it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, just perhaps to give the listeners some kind of idea of what kind of content we make. We do regular Bundesliga and and cup podcasts about one a month. We make a, a European edition for every match day where an Austrian team is, is involved. We've done special episodes as well, historical ones looking into famous Austrian footballers such as Matthias Schindler. And we've uh, we've in, interviewed Jesse Marsh, the, the Red Bull Salzburg coach, back in August as well. So there's there's plenty of content. So yeah, people follow us on Twitter. We'd love to have you accompanying us on our Austrian football journey and uh, and discovering the league a little bit more. Um, from me personally, lads, thank you for your insight. Um, I've actually learned quite a lot in, in the past hour or so. Um, do subscribe or follow uh, both the other Bundesliga and the Scouted Football podcast on whichever pod provider you're listening on. Uh, and happy holidays from all of us at Scouted Football. And uh, Thank you for tuning in. Um, I've been Joe Donoghue and this has been the Scouted Football podcast. See you very soon.